So about a week ago exactly today, uh, my son, Harvest, he's three and a half years old. Let me give you a picture of him. So one of our most recent ones dancing in the front yard of our son. So he's three and a half. Do you have that picture, Robbie, of him sort of standing in the yard? That's all right. <laughs> when it pops up, um, everything will. But, but a week ago, exactly today, he has a nightmare in the middle of the night. Terrifying one, screaming and crying in the middle of the night. And it wakes both Karma and I up. And we pull him close and we begin to comfort him. And I'm incredibly sensitive to nightmares because I was a kid who was plagued with nightmares as well. Um, so much so that majority of the nights I would get to go into my sister's room and sleep with her. And then I'd lie about it the next morning and said I slept the walk. Right? But he had this nightmare. I'm so sensitive, right? And so we're pulling him close. And the next night, as we're getting ready for bed, he begins to tell it to me. Right? And his memory is like, oh, Dad, I was at school. And he goes to the olive branch here. And there were monsters there at the school. Ah, oh, there he is. Right? Look at that little sunshine, right? Uh, but he had this nightmare, right? There's, there's monsters, Dad, at school. And it's like, and Dad, you were there. And you were rescuing people. I was like, yeah, that's fitting, right? That doesn't sound like a nightmare. Sounds like a great dream. And he says this. And I couldn't keep up. Right? And I'm like, oh gosh, that's a nightmare. Right? I, have you had that one? With whatever it is, you can't keep up. And you're being left behind. That, 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 is, that is for sure a nightmare. My heart sank. I know that dream and I know that nightmare. Well, okay, let me give you a little context. Um, a few days before this dream, we were watching a show before bed, right? And as a parent, I want to do educational shows. Not always, it's usually Power Rangers, right? But there was a nature show on Netflix. It was rated G, right? And you're thinking, oh, this would be good. And there's little pictures on there. It was amazing. So we began to watch this show on Netflix, Right? Um, and in this story, it's, come, it's from a show called Our Planet. Netflix put it out. It's episode one. This is a story about the flamingos. And the flamingos are all sort of gathering on this remote island in order to lay their eggs. So um, I think this will help with the context. And so I figured, hey, it's Easter. Might as well let you see this as well. So um, let's, let's watch this. might occur only once in a decade. The birds nest on an island far from the shore. They build mounds of mud that raise up their eggs and so keep them just marginally cooler than they would be at ground level. The water surrounding the island is so salty that predators do not venture into it. So the nests are safe. 30 days later, thousands of chicks start to hatch. 
there is no shelter from the scorching sun. The water that once surrounded their island, protecting them, has now dried up altogether. The last to hatch step out into a desperately harsh world. Somehow or other, the growing chicks must find fresh water to drink. They cannot yet fly, so they must walk, guided by some of the adults. So we were watching that, <laughs> and believe me, I spared you because the Sarah McLaughlin music was going to play for another 30 seconds as they watched the little bird, and right, that's enough, right? It's enough for us. So we're sitting there, these baby flamingos on this 50K march, that's like 30 miles, right, for you marathon runners, right? They're at birth and they do it, amazing. And some just can't keep up. Now, as Harvest and I are watching, he's like, Dad, is that little duck there alone? This is a little bit sad. And I'm like, yes, it is. Okay, go, go, on the, go on the internet and find out how many people are upset about that little flamingo bird, right? Everybody is. That little duck that is there. Dad, is that little duck alone? This is a little bit sad. And you're saying, why are you showing this on Easter? The ducks are supposed to be happy. But back to the moment with Harvest in bed. And he says to me, I couldn't keep up. Right? He says that to me. And I turn to him and I say, I would never leave you behind. And he turns into me. And he wraps his little arms around me and he holds on. As a way to say, he heard me. Right? He heard me and it comforted him. And then he tells me this. Oh, Dad, um, Amelia was there in the dream too. Amelia is his three-and-a-half-year-old best friend. I've got a picture of her too. And he's like, yeah, Dad, Amelia was there and she was rescuing you. I was like, what? That's a nightmare. So I've been pondering this moment, right? This story of not being able to keep up. All these sorts of thoughts. 
and being asked that really hard question, well, what about when I can't keep up? Right? Because I know that nightmare, right? That reality when, when I, I'm not able to keep up, that I can't keep it together. And so Harvest has this nightmare that he is this baby duck, but I'm that baby duck as well. And the truth of the matter is, uh, so are you. And so would you turn to the person next to you and say, you're the little duck. And then you can turn back to them and say, it was a flamingo. <laughs> See, for me, not keeping up, like when I, when I, when I say that, right, because it's, it's, a, it's a metaphor, right? For me, not keeping up is, has to do with my, my frustrations and my emotions. And so I respond way more harshly and cruelly than I should. Not keeping up with the pressure to succeed or to impress. And so I push beyond my limits. And I end up just crashing. You know that one? Not keeping up with the expectations of others. Or maybe my perceived expectations of God. And so when I can't keep up with those expectations, I hide. And just bury my head in the sand. So do, can you relate to just have that sense of, what about when we just can't keep up? We can't. We're weak. And we too, like those little flamingos, are looking for the life-giving water, right? All of our lives. Longing for it. Going after it. And if you're like me, you're willing to drink anywhere where you'll find something I'll satisfy something to quench that thirst, right? That, that deep longing for when we're weak. And sometimes, if you're like me, we're willing to ignore others because of our own needs. Maybe even possibly mistreat them in order to get what we want. We are those little ducks, the little flamingos. Would you show the picture, Robbie? The little bird. The little flamingo. <laughs> Sweet little bird. No? Happy Easter. <laughs> but the story doesn't end there, right? So when I think about that little bird, and you might be thinking, if we go back to Stephen Netflix, you might be thinking, well, maybe the video guy intervened. Right? Hope that somebody will intervene in our trouble. Maybe he did. Right? I, I, I don't know. Now, if you go online and you research about videographers for nature videos, there is an ethos. There is a standard of when you intervene and when you do not. It goes like this. If you tip the scales of nature and cause harm for an animal by your presence, then you can intervene. But if, if it's just nature, and if it's just their world and your world and your fault and their fault, you don't intervene. Oh, man. How many of you would have intervened if you saw a little duck, a little bird? Kids, how many of you intervened? Good. Intervene. We want it. 
But for so many people, when we think about God, and we think about life, and kind of what's going on in this world, we might have a similar picture to a videographer who says, I'm not going to intervene if this is just your fault. Right? I'm not going to step in. But today, as we celebrate Easter, there's a drastically different story and actions that God has taken in order for our hearts to be awakened with this love that says, I intervene when you can't keep up. I intervene into your weakness and into your mess. I step in when you can't make the trek. It tells us this story of one that enters into our story. Romans 5 and verses 6 and 8 said this, while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus died for the ungodly. Those ones who couldn't keep up, who weren't hitting it, were missing the mark. It said that God demonstrates it is his love in action. He demonstrates his love for us, towards us, that while we were still sinners, he dies for us. He intervenes for us. He steps in. This is the grand love of Jesus. He steps into our messes. It's so interesting that when Jesus died on the cross, and all of his followers were there, and his disciples were there, his mother was there, and they were watching him brutally taken by the Roman authority and portrayed and killed like a criminal and and mocked and shamed, they were thinking the same thing about Jesus he couldn't keep up. He didn't, he didn't have what it takes to overcome. He lost. He wasn't as powerful enough, wasn't good enough, wasn't strong enough to overcome the sort of tide of nature that would play out. But yet, we pause here. They thought that all hope was lost. But three days later, Jesus raises from the dead by the power of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, victorious over death, over sin, over sickness. And with his immortal breath, he says that his life can be ours. He says to us, I will never leave you behind. So turn into me. And trust me, trust in my love, in my resurrection, in my price for you being weak. Jesus' death and resurrection makes it possible for what in Revelation 21 says, we read this last week about drinking the cup, but Jesus offers us this cup and he says, today, this is in Revelation 21 verse 6, and he said to me, it's done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. This is what is offered to us for those who would turn into Jesus. Trust him in his demonstration of love, of forgiveness, and of eternal life through him. And so today, as we hear about Jesus and see his actions proclaimed in his love, through the cross and resurrection, as we declare that he will never leave us behind. Today, as we hear him, may we turn into him.
and embrace him and trust him and worship him. Amen? So, Father, we praise you for your great love. Thank you for Jesus when we couldn't keep up that you stepped in and stepped into all of our weakness and overcame it with your great love. Thank you, God, that you grab a hold of us and when you grab a hold, you don't let go as we trust in you, your death and resurrection, as we believe in your love. God, let your love pour into our hearts today that we could remember it. We could breathe it in today and breathe out our gratitude to you. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, so, in response, would you stand? I love this psalm. It's a beautiful, responsive psalm, and I want us to read it together as a declaration of praise to God who intervenes, who loves us, that it, and, and in this psalm, there's some words that I want us to kind of see. It's about God's unfailing love, but his righteousness that meets us. In verse 6, it's going to tell us about how his justice is like the ocean depths. Verse 6, it says, you care for people and animals alike. Isn't that good? That's so good. Have no doubt, children. God cares for humans and animals alike. That's good. Right? We say that's a good God. So we're going to remind ourselves of that by, by reading it out loud. And it says, how precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. All humanity finds shelter under God's wings as the mother bird who comes along and shelters them. Amen? So let's read this aloud of our great God who intervenes as a declaration of our praise, as a way of turning into Jesus as he says this to us and we say, we hear you. And after we read this, we're going to sing in response to God. Are you ready? So the words will be up there. Let's read together. Your unfailing love, O Lord, is as vast as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches beyond the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your justice is like the ocean depths. You care for people and animals alike. How precious is your unfailing love, O God. All humanity finds shelter in the shadow of your wings. You feed them from the abundance of your own house, letting them drink from your river of delights. For you are the fountain of life, the light by which we see. Amen.